This episode is sponsored by New Balance and Sarah's taking on the 2024 TCS London Marathon with their support. Today, we're really excited to talk to you about two specific shoes from the Fuel Cell range. Yes, the brand new Fuel Cell Rebel V4. Now, I have the luxury of training in a few different pairs of shoes. So currently how I use this shoe is in my tempo runs, my interval runs, my kind of faster sessions. Also, what I'm throwing at those sessions is the Fuel Cell Super Comp Elite V4 from New Balance. Because you'll be wearing those on race day. Yes. And I wore the V3 back for my Valencia Marathon PB in December and I'm excited as a shoe geek because they're essentially the ultimate marathon racing shoe based on innovation including being tested by athletes like the American marathon record holder Emily Sisson and she's run 218.29 so she's not hanging about. No I'll be slightly behind that time. Marginally. Marginally. Um, If you want to check out the Rebel V4 or the Supercomp Elite V4 head to the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to the Running Channel podcast. This is our very first podcast, so please be kind. Each week we're going to be tackling one big topic in the world of running as well as answering your questions plus discussing our news and views on running and we're going to be coming to your ears every single week and also once a month we'll be doing a special episode for YouTube too. I'm Sarah and I'm Andy. Should we get into it? Well, this is very exciting. Have you podcasted before? Uh, yeah. I mean, I did a very, very bad one at uni, but I don't think anyone needs to go and find that. I think we should dig that out. <laughs> so <laughs> no. if anyone is listening can dig out Sarah Hartley at university on a podcast, that'd be amazing. I'm not telling you what it's called. Okay. Um, but like this one, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. A challenge. What about you? Have you podcasted before? Not in this way, not where I'm the one that's got to come up with all the stuff to talk about. I've had people ask me questions, so I've been very... Uh, generously invited on other people's podcasts but now we get to do our own one which is really exciting a little bit scary so I'm glad that we've got someone who kind of knows what he's doing over in the corner Rick how are you getting on uh well I'm figuring out the buttons including I've just worked out that I can make you Sarah sound like a small robot (laughs) and Andy I can make you sound like a large monster (laughs) yeah I mean that's how everyone describes me at work anyway and uh you're pushing all the buttons over there just like you push my buttons every day yeah I'm proud to (laughs) brilliant (laughs) we should do an introduction yes we should so for those of you who don't know Andy what who are you oh you're introducing me yeah (laughs) so no um I used to run a lot so before the running channel which I co-founded about four years ago um I was lucky enough to live a life as a professional athlete so I ran in the Beijing Olympics in 2008 and the London Olympics in 2012 both over 1500 meters got injured a lot um and then also ended up retiring through injury and then wanted to try to help people and that's what I guess what we're trying to do at the running channel. You're also missing out your arguably greatest achievement, which is still being the park run world record holder. Yeah, at the point of recording, I'm clinging on to that. And actually, <laughs> you're right. Ultimately, we, we joked about calling this podcast "No One Gives a Shit About the Olympics" because that... I don't even think people would listen if it's got the word Olympics yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just the the difference being that the Olympics is this thing that's totally out of reach, um, and it's an amazing thing to to watch on the TV. Whereas park run, regardless of what time you've run you know that someone showed up at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, ran 5k uh, on a similar course to you. There's no kind of special special measures that mean you have to qualify or anything like that. So everyone experiences the same thing. And just to make everyone feel a little bit sick, what time did you run? That was 13.48 in what feels like a former life. Absolutely disgusting. So Andy is your out of reach, speedy, speedy person. (laughs) I, on the other hand, um, I would still hopefully describe myself as your average runner. I started running at uni, loved it, found it as something that 
I'd never experienced before. It was a great way of just getting out, improving how I felt day to day. And I'm still kind of there. I still use it for that. I'm trying to get a little bit better. Um, Andy has paced me to many a disgusting PB. Yeah, you don't enjoy that though, do you? You just shout at me whilst I'm shouting at you. Yeah, my favourite type of run is probably still a nice park run, chatting to other people. But I am finding it interesting of how you push boundaries, how you get better, the kind of little marginal gains that I'm now kind of making. Because when you start running, you can improve really, really quickly. And then if you want to keep getting better, you just have to keep chipping away. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about that a little bit today. But actually, it's worth saying that, yeah, when you joined the running channel, which is three years ago now, you hadn't done any of these things. So I guess just a quick list because you're almost too modest to mention it. A couple (laughs) of marathons, ultra marathons, um, taking taking on all of those like really long distances, which potentially felt a little bit out of reach when you did join. Yeah, you name it, Andy has signed me up for it. <laughs> oh yeah, I get the blame and for this. I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <brilliant. laughs> no, it's good. It's kept me accountable. It's kept me running. And I guess we should take it back to basics though, because that is what this episode is going to be about. Our first big topic that we wanted to tackle is how to run a faster 5k, which yes. is usually where kind of everyone starts. My introduction to running was, can I run 5k? answer no (laughs) but then I kind of built up from there yeah a lot of people come in through the couch to 5k app or or training program which helps you to build up from you know not being able to even cover the distance to then comfortably running 5k Um, and then people might progress to 10k half marathons and even further but there's always a desire from a lot of people that we speak to to work out well how could I get faster at 5k so that could be they've just run 5k for the first time and now they're like what could I do properly to see if I could get a little bit quicker mm. or it could be someone who's covered all of the distances is a really experienced runner but has reached a kind of plateau in their running and doesn't know how that they could improve even by a few seconds whereas like you said when you first start out running you can improve by a big chunk of minutes at a time every time you do it just by doing a little bit more running every week. Yeah, I went from my first ever attempt at a 5K. I definitely should have, I didn't know about couch to 5K. So me and a mate just set off and we weren't going to stop until we got to 5K, which I wouldn't recommend. It took us 45 minutes of walking, crying, running a little bit. Yeah. Um, Sense of achievement though, right? Yeah, it was amazing. Were you going to say 45 hours then for a moment? (laughs) Yeah, we were there for days, (laughs) but but we got through it. Um, But no, we got got to the end and then, but very quickly, once you put two and two together of what running should feel like, how instantly at the start, it does feel like you are about to die, but Mm. that's kind of semi-normal when you are doing stuff. You can get very, I very quickly went from 45 minutes to 30 and then started chipping away. But my question is, as a very, very experienced runner, what is your one biggest piece of advice if someone wants to get faster over 5k? I don't know whether I can kind of dilute it into one, but I'm going to start by asking you whether you feel like you've hit your red line in your 5k's. I I know the answer to this. No. No, I I think, well. (laughs) (laughs) Probably... Yes. In the, I, in the, I've watched your pacing. and Oh, a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. She knows I what I'm getting at I haven't hit now. it well. It was, it was a leading question to which I didn't get the answer I was expecting. But ultimately, I've watched you crash and burn after two or three minutes yeah. in a 5K because oh, you've yeah. gone so hard and actually found your limits so early. Yeah. Um, but I thought I was, you meant find the red line effectively. Oh, no. Yes. You know, I've not seen you do that. No, uh, but that's the key. I think if, uh, if I was to give one piece of advice, it's finding where your pace is. Mm. And loads of people will come to me after I've watched them run a 5k, you know, at the end of a park when I'll see them coming in at the finish and they'll say, oh, I have no idea how I could run faster. Like I'm at my absolute minute. Every week I run 27 minutes or every week I run 22 minutes or every week I run 35 minutes, whatever it might be, but I just can't get any faster. There's no way that I could try harder. And I'll say, well, 
there is because I was watching you there and I think you looked like you're about 80% in terms of being if your red line is 100% where mm -hmm. you're, you're completely spent at the end. It's really hard, particularly over something like 5k to push yourself to your absolute max. Yeah. And you, it's very hard over the marathon to, to find your red line because the risks are so great to bonking to hitting your wall and never and not finishing or catastrophically losing time whereas in the 5k you know you're always going to be able to slow down a little bit and then finish so actually my advice to people would be to push a little bit harder to find where that red line is and that's where training comes comes in so the the key in training for for 5k is to train either side of the distance to dial in that pace but to have variety so you, i'm sure you've told me before what you used to do when you used to go out running you used to run everything at one pace right yeah i used to just i think because 5k as well is a lot of people consider 5k as that's the smallest run i will do so if i want to get better over 5k i will just continue running that distance and just push but that's absolutely not the case like if you're going out one a 4k run is totally okay yeah, you <laughs> like, can run, run any distance you want run yeah. short run long but but ultimately the, the key is variety so you mm. need to run slightly faster than your 5k pace just to know what that feels like yeah and then when you're doing a, a race or an event like park runs which isn't a race it's a run of course um you're racing against yourself you're trying to see how much better you could get but you need to know what it feels like so you need to know in the first two or three minutes oh no i've gone too fast here to be yeah. able to back off rather than just keep pushing to 10 minutes or so and then just have nowhere to go but at the same time you need to have experienced it in some kind of training so that when you're out there you can run hard enough and not finish thinking you know what, I could go faster next time. And that just happens every time unless you actually dig deep enough to find out at least once. Yeah, my biggest piece of advice is if you're there, if you're quite a lot of people get stuck around like 27.30, which mm. is 5.30 per kilometer pace. Yeah. If you're there and you want to break 27, then work out what that pace is and then try and do five by a K as a yeah. running session. So stick to that pace, run one K at it, then take like one to two minutes recovery yeah. that could be jogging, walking, stopping yeah. if you have to but preferably keep moving yeah. and that way you're hitting that pace you're training your body to run at that pace which is so much better than just trying to hit that pace in your next park run and yeah. then potentially bonk before you get yeah to you're it. chunking it right you're breaking it up the 5k distance into your 1k efforts and then you could end up shorting the recovery so you start with the recovery as long as you want see what pace you can hit and then that'll give you the confidence that if you can do five of them at that pace yeah. with a relatively short recovery maybe even as you get a bit more experience, look to do six. So you've done slightly more distance, but you've got the recoveries in between, which are allowing you to get a little bit of rest. Whereas obviously when you're on 5K flat out, you don't get to stop. And ultimately that's the key to interval training is you're breaking up the distance that you want to run or a key distance, whether that's, you might be training for half marathon, but only doing 10K in a, in a training session. Chunking it. I've not heard of that before. <laughs> yeah, chopping it up into chunks chunking yeah i'm gonna use that you're gonna just use that in every day i'm gonna, every chunk, I'm gonna chunk everything in my life from now on yeah. what are you doing today rick chunking it <laughs> is that your approach to uh producing the podcast i'm pushing buttons yeah. stay tuned it. our official merch will be dropping soon just chunk it uh, but yeah I, I think that's like if you if you've got something unachievable we're talking about 5k now but it might be that you're trying to uh, attack a, a longer distance then yeah just breaking it up into manageable things that you can take on each week so you're not trying to do everything all at once and the, and the key is we're talking about interval training here but if you've just started running you want to run a faster 5k just do a little bit more running mm. and be sensible about how you build up into it yeah and it's not going to come all at once that is <laughs> what a lot of people have said to me is the most frustrating thing about running is that it does take time yeah. like there's there's no there are some hacks there are some shortcuts but ultimately if you want to sustainably get faster you got to put the work in. 
Yes, exactly. And I mean, we should just quickly give Rick an honorable mention. He is building up to being able to run that kind of distance again, 5K, after like a pretty emotional journey in the last couple of years where he couldn't run at all and got told he never might. Yeah, it's been a bit of a journey, but you know, I'm back in the game and hopefully planning to do a park run actually this yeah. weekend, which would be pretty amazing. Oh, stay, um, stay tuned, Rick's so, first ever 5K yeah, in two or yeah. three years and multiple surgeries. Yeah. You know what, because of the pandemic, I actually haven't done a park run for three years, two years out, and then one year of park run not being on. So yeah. hopefully back at it. Well, yeah, so come back next time to find out how Rick got on. That's definitely something to keep our <laughs> eye on. Like we're, we're rooting for you. I know that we've had some amazing comments from the, the Running Channel community who've been really supportive of that journey. So yeah, ultimately, I don't know what I was going to say there. Probably have to Trunk cut that it. out. Just <laughs> chunk it <laughs> chunk it chunk it oh yeah brilliant don't forget that this episode is brought to you by new balance and their fuel cell super comp elite v4 which is their ultimate marathon racing shoe and their fuel cell rebel v4 which is their do anything running shoe but skewed towards speed which is what sarah's been using it for in her marathon training and both of them are lighter than their predecessors yes i have been wearing them in training and i know that this isn't a scientific fact but i feel like the placebo effect of if your shoes look fast you will be fast. Well, I always feel like I look fast. What about you? <laughs> oh, me too, especially in these. And that's what I've been enjoying in training. That kind of like angular geometric design of the shoe just makes me want to go faster. Yeah. So if you want to look much cooler than me or Sarah. Hey, leave me out of it. If you want to look cooler than Andy, wear anything. If you want to look cooler than me, head to the link in the show notes to check out the Rebel V4 and the Super Complete V4. <laughs> Okay, so it's question time soon, but before we get to that, where we'll be answering any questions that you send in to podcasts at therunningchannel.com, first of all, every week we're going to bring a new story that has caught our attention uh, all about running. So first off, what have you got for us, Sarah? I have such an exciting one. This isn't necessarily making BBC front page. Other news sources are available. It should do. But this has, I've been glued to this the whole time. The spine race. Yes, it's a terrifying spectacle. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) what I saw was... The image of someone who'd clearly been up awake for a long time, uh, covered in icicles all over their face. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that's not that's not my kind of running, I don't think. It's epic. So it's a 268 mile yeah. uh, non-stop ultramarathon across the Pennine Way. So basically from like Manchester up to Northumberland. The f- that's, a, this, that's just an unimaginable <laughs> distance to run. Like I, I'm, I'm looking up here thinking... I, yeah, that's so far. If you can't quite fathom what that is, then these numbers kind of make okay. it a little bit more. So they've the first people have just come in as of last night slash this morning. So We're first, recording this on a Thursday. So when did they start? So they started on Sunday. Okay. So Damien Hall and Jack Scott actually crossed the line together, but Jack Scott, which I was like, cute, they finished together. Then I did some more reading and Jack Scott actually got a time penalty because he navigated wrong and ended up taking a shortcut which is even more brutal because they'd both been running for 84 hours and 36 minutes. So with his time penalty, Jack Scott's turned into 85 and 16. And then the first females come in now as well, Claire Banworth, um, who's done it in 97 hours and 39 minutes. So I, uh, my only point of reference here is the times when I've been sleep deprived, but I haven't even been running. (laughs) <laughs> I've just been sleep deprived through children waking me up. And then I wake up in the morning and I pour orange juice on my cornflakes. And, <laughs> and you've got a lot of kids. <laughs> I have got far too many children, as Rick likes to tell me. Thanks very much, mate. 
<laughs> How many does it sound like you've got like 12? <laughs> three. Three. Counting. Can count. Three. Counting. Three is plenty. Yeah, your well, family car is yeah. a coach. Yeah, uh, yeah unlike... It, it actually is. <laughs> have you seen it? I do have. Yeah, basically. Yeah. basically he has have got a, mini, a coach. Basically have a minibus. What normal people go on school trips on, Andy goes to Asda <laughs> on. <laughs> Incredible. Thanks, Rick. It's like the uh, Von Trapp family. Yeah, I'm like Rick, I haven't named all of my children after royalty. But yeah. Hey, you see my t-shirt? Yes, Her Majesty. Her Majesty is uh, dedicated on Rick's sweatshirt today. Incredible. Um, back to the runners. Sorry, yeah. These people have been through such tough conditions. Like I think I read Damien Hall came into a checkpoint and they had to melt his shoes off his feet because they were snowed shut. That's... Yeah, I, I mean, I, Damon Hall's incredible. I, I love him for loads of different reasons. Like, I think what he's taking on there, he's, you know, one of the UK's greatest ever ultra runners. But also, he's done some amazing things where he's run staggering distances whilst also tidying up the planet, saving yeah. the world by plogging. So he's been picking up litter on, uh, as he goes. And we've got his book on our shelf. Yeah, you beat me to it. We can't run away from this. Yeah, we can't. I mean, we can't run away from this. Couldn't be more apt to taking on some kind of 85-hour challenge, which yeah. is unimaginable. Absolutely incredible. And he got the male course record as well. Although I love this about ultra running, the actual like overall course record is held by a female. Oh, magic. Yeah, I love that about ultra running. It's like a, it's a genuine leveler. Mm. Um, and there's loads of science out there about um, various different kind of energy systems and the physiology and genetics of kind of male versus females and how they level out um, as you get longer and longer, essentially. And yeah. when it becomes as much a physical, a mental test as it is a physical test and something like that. that Absolutely that's, yeah. brutal. So should we sign you up next year? Absolutely not. <laughs> no? Absolutely not, no. no I just don't get it. Rick, I just don't, I, 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 I'm sorry, I respect ultra runners, but I just don't get it. I, I, I would not put my body through that. It just sounds like a really bad idea. But, you know, start slow, build up, and yep. ne never get there. Yeah, but you've got like half a, <laughs> you've got half a kind of, science experiment in your knee so <laughs> but it's not really my own leg anymore no exactly it's like trigger's broom <laughs> only falls and horses <laughs> i'm too young for that reference brilliant oh no yeah i mean that's so not am i it's only andy it's <laughs> <laughs> right, we've got nice, granddad nice, in the corner nice keeping topical, us uh, 80s and 90s reference for everyone listening uh okay brilliant well do you want to do your news yes story? let's before i get further did you um get it from a little slate that someone had carved out in chalk that's right, actually, yes, it was uh, It was just, um, I got no comeback to that. Yes, exactly that. It was just handed to me on a pap right, papyrus scroll. It's in your brain yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's in hieroglyphics. Um, <laughs> so no, my, my news story is about a lady called Rachel and her daughter, Eva, um, who is two, um, who actually just set a world record for running 10K with a buggy, so pushing a buggy. And two's not small, like a two-year-old child yeah. as i know has lot i've got so many children um is, is pretty heavy so pushing someone along for 10k i guess what sort of uh, pace do you think they might have run to set the world record well i'm guessing so running with a buggy isn't going to be like running with a dog where a dog can pull you faster oh yeah this is definitely not a benefit this is this is a hindrance yeah. um although i'm sure ava's lovely um i'm gonna go is it a proper buggy a proper, it, i mean as in a running buggy? the time that she has achieved, I haven't actually seen the photographs, but it must have been a pretty streamlined running buggy. Yeah. It's yeah. got like rockets on yeah, the back. Yeah, it's, it's, not like, uh, it's not like you one that you take around the supermarket with the wheels that twizzle at the front yeah, and stuff. I mean, that would be an achievement. <laughs> yeah. That would be epic. Okay, Rick's okay, next challenge, yeah. I'm going to go 39 minutes. Nice. And Rick? I'm going to go 43. 43 minutes. You don't think it's possible to go as fast as Sarah reckons? No. The buggy. You've been ever been overtaken by anyone in a buggy? Uh, no, but I was once overtaken by someone dressed as Jesus Christ with the crucifixion on the back. 
Wow. Okay. That's uh, this has taken a strange turn. Let's bring this back to the not, uh, not, back to the news not, at hand. Not, not on Parkrun. Okay. <laughs> I've been overtaken by a buggy many a time. Yeah, I have as well. Actually, at Parkrun. Yeah, there, there yeah. are some people out there that rapid. Uh, yes, very quick. So the time that Rachel managed with daughter Eva was. 39 minutes and 24 seconds. Look at this. That's yeah. uh, a very yeah. smug face because that was an incredible, uh, incredible guess. But yeah, at the Elderly Edge Bypass 10K, um, she runs for Sale Harriers. Um, just, uh, it's amazingly quick. And she did get special permission from the race organizers because obviously, you know, you don't want to be tripping anyone up with a buggy and all sorts of safety stuff. But I think, um, I just think that's an incredible, like sub 40 minutes pushing a buggy is uh, some achievement. Yeah, that's rapid. What's your 10K at the moment? At the moment? Oh, um I don't know, 36 minutes, something. So How old's yeah. your youngest child? Um, two. Miles is two. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, but I'm pretty sure I, we should need to find, we need to dig out the men's world record. I should have done a bit better, better research before the podcast to find out what the uh, uh, yeah. men's world record. Well, Unless, I mean, at least if you want to see Andy taking on the challenge of beating yeah. this record with a buggy, we'll stick Miles in the buggy, get you out on a course. We can do that. Email in podcast at com, and Andy will take oh, it on. He is buzzing. Absolutely buzzing to take this on. Absolutely stitched myself up, haven't I? You really have. Yeah, Miles would love it though. <laughs> like, it would be quite a cool bonding experience, but it would yeah. be hard work. At least I wouldn't have to hold a camera. Maybe we could strap it to It's only because he's sick of you taking him on the coach everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll be like, fresh air. <laughs> oh my God, I feel like I've been done a, a totally handed one here. Okay. I right. have one other question for this news story. Yep. How many turns were there in this race? Oh, let me consult my encyclopedic knowledge of UK-based <laughs> running 10Ks. I've got no idea. Well, obviously, that's going to make it harder, isn't it? If there are, if there are like 45 turns, fair yeah. play. If it's a straight line, point yeah. to point. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't trust my little one to be steering. So, And, and yeah, you can. I mean, it, when, when I've seen people doing it, they are holding it with one hand because you're running so fast, you can't really run properly yeah. with holding it with two hands. But I bet, though, with a buggy, you can take racing turns. Like at Berlin Marathon, the most precise route, fastest route around the course is marked out with the blue line. Yeah. I bet she was... Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd enjoy the, the blue line following, I think. Yeah. It'd give me something to focus on whilst I was in horrific pain thinking, why am I doing this for the running channel? <laughs> All right, I guess that's our um, news stories wrapped up. So now it's on to question time. So every episode, we are going to be picking a few of your questions to answer. If you want your question to be answered, then please do email into podcast at therunningchannel.com. Rick, what have we got this week? Okay, so the first one this week is from Amy in Newcastle, and she asks, can you work on speed and distance simultaneously, or do you need to focus on one at a time? Ooh. Andy? Oh, man, we've picked... Thanks, Rick. That's a, that's a tough one to go straight in with because it's like there's so many different layers to it. Okay, try and give a concise answer. I think it depends on the stage in your running career. So if, you, if you've run your first 5K um, and then you're looking to run a 10K, it's likely through doing more running in order to run a little bit further that you'll also get faster. Mm -hmm. So then you're kind of ticking, killing two birds with one stone. Um, but I do think that whatever you're doing, you need to apply the 10% rule. So if you're looking to, to increase the distance, so to run more volume overall during the week, then don't increase that total mileage or distance overall by more than 10%. Similarly, your longest run, don't increase by more than 10%. And by doing more running, then you're likely to get faster. But my, my gut instinct would be to advise people to focus on one thing and not kind of half-arse it, basically. So if, you, if you're trying to run a 5K or a 10K PB or whatever distance it might be, then focus on maintaining a similar volume of training. Um, if you're already a relatively experienced runner, I don't think that running loads more is going to be the answer, but training smarter. So 
mixing up the distances and the paces a lot more. So a lot of runners make the mistake of just doing everything at a very similar pace or having very small pace variations between even their intervals and then their easy runs. Like your recovery runs can be really slow as long as you're not kind of compromising your mechanics. To give an example of the range, I appreciate these numbers aren't that relatable to everybody, but when I was running properly uh, at a professional level, my easy runs, I would start them at probably like eight minute miling. Um, God, so slow. (laughs) Well, but relatively my race pace was under four minute miling. Yeah. And then my intervals were being run at somewhere between four minute and 4.30 miling. And then my steady runs would be around six, six minute miling. And my threshold runs were like five minute miling. So quite nice kind of four, five, six, seven from kind of intervals through to um, threshold, steady, and then easy runs. But that's, you know, almost twice as slow. Yeah. Um, so a massive range there, whereas loads of people, it's their, their easy run pace is so close to their race pace that they don't really have anywhere to go. Yeah, I've definitely been guilty of that, especially if you're not running, like when you were competing professionally, you were doing a lot of double days. So you're getting a lot of different runs in. So then you can get all of those yeah. different variations. But even if you're only running three times a week, you yeah. still need to have those big gaps in order to see benefit one thing that i would say on this is that it can be really tempting when you go from maybe 5k to 10k to just double what your 5k time is and then aim towards that but that is actually going to be really hard like for example this year i set a new 5k pb of what last year now 21 22 show off (laughs) (laughs) she is isn't she yeah yeah i'm not i'm just saying numbers (laughs) there's me talking about being a professional athlete and then calling calling you a show off (laughs) what a dick <laughs> that's just my time <laughs> um, but anyway I ran that time then I started training for a 10k PB and I didn't aim for maths 42 44 <laughs> nice um, I aimed for sub 45 which yeah. is like quite a big jump up but actually that was really tough and yeah. the first time I attempted that I didn't I was 12 seconds off it's yeah when, when you say it out loud it's obvious right you can't just run twice as far at the same pace yeah. but I think it is very easy like when the first time I ran a sub 30 minute 5k I was like brilliant double it sub one hour 10k here I come yeah and that is absolutely not necessarily going to be the case no I think you just need to be sensible with the goals that you set and you can test yourself out by, by going out and thinking I think I can run uh whatever time it is whatever pace it is for 5k go and do 1k at that effort and see how you go and if it's just totally unrealistic, realistic to run it once, you obviously can't run it for five. Okay, I think that might wrap that question up. Rick, have we got another one? Yeah, okay. So the next question today is from Cleaner Malone. And she asks us, are super shoes worth it for the average runner? Oh, I love this question because two years ago super shoes were like this thing that some people had that not that many people had whereas now super shoes are everywhere but not everyone necessarily understands what they're for for example i saw on instagram yesterday that helen skelton who's currently in the strictly come dancing tour yeah i love her she's amazing yeah i love strictly my daughter is obsessed that just gives me an excuse to watch it yeah andy loves it um it's fine to watch strictly okay yeah (laughs) you don't need permission andy all right all right Anyway, super shoes. She was wearing Nike Vaporflies at rehearsals for the tour. That makes no sense to me. I think unless she's trying to get some kind of height advantage because she's gaining four centimetres there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just that they're they're quite wobbly. They're definitely not designed for dancing. Mm. Not that I'm very good at dancing, so I I don't know. But they they sometimes can feel hard enough to run in unless you're running in a straight line. But I think it is like for the... I know when I first started looking at trainers, it is a minefield. There are so many out there and it can quite often kind of just appear that, okay, well, 
when you step up in price, that means you're getting the best option. But actually now there's there's different session, different shoes for each session, which yeah. is important to think about. So firstly, if you're only training in one pair of shoes and you only want to own yeah. one pair of running shoes, don't get a carbon plate. Yeah, they're expensive and they don't last very long and they're not designed for you to do all of your runs in. They're designed to help you to run a faster time. And I think the answer to the question is, are they worth it for the average runner? If you want to run faster and you can afford it, then yes. Yeah. Like the finding the right ones for you is important because the each of the carbon plates has different slightly different shape. Each of the shoe brands uses a slightly different compound of foam, so they'll feel and they they fit differently whether they're narrow or wide. Some of them feel more responsive. Some of them that I've tried feel great for me at a kind of 5k pace. Uh, but terrible for me any slower than that. Whereas yep. others are the opposite. They feel great at maybe my threshold running pace, but terrible when I try and run faster. So I have the luxury of testing lots of different ones. Rick's looking like he's got a question. No, I was just thinking, you know, how much have you got to spend to get a really decent super shoe? Or is it basically they, they're all, you know, they all kick in at a decent level? Or is it, yeah. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, you're, I mean, you're definitely looking at, more than 150 pounds and that's 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 the relatively cheap ones you can pick ones up that are in the sale from the previous year that that'd be right priced around there and that's what a lot of people like to do and and in the start like along a lot of the elite start lines you, you generally do see the nike shoes kind of proliferating there that they're, they're like the ones that are dominating whereas the there are other all these other brands and, and each brand also then has a sub elite shoe which maybe doesn't use a carbon plate it has like a nylon plate and it's slightly cheaper but ultimately sarah said it already if you've got one pair of shoes for everything, it shouldn't be a carbon plate. They'll wear out too fast. They're not supportive enough and you don't need them. If you can afford it and you want to run faster, then a pair of super shoes will definitely help you. And they should be for your interval sessions. Definitely yeah. use them in training. Yeah, because they make you run a bit differently, don't they? Yeah, because one, like you are going to feel, they will make your, the first time you wear them, you'll feel it in your calves. Um, but also they're great for recovery as well. So they are a great training tool. A lot of elites use them, but elites don't train in carbon plates every single yeah. run either. Like Rose Harvey yeah. wears her carbons for her interval sessions each week so that she can practice in the shoes, run a bit faster, but also her legs can recover. And then when she swaps into other shoes without carbon plates, she's ready to go, but she's also yeah. not putting that kind of strain through her body. And then she races, does all of her marathons in carbon plate shoes. Yeah, that. And, that, and obviously she's a luxury of being a sponsored athlete. So she has a whole range of shoes to choose yeah. from. But yeah, I, I would broadly say if you can, then having a pair of shoes that you do your kind of normal runs in and then a pair of shoes that you do faster running in is like a good starting point. And I think we could spend an entire podcast talking about super shoes. I, I'm, I, the, the shoe geek in me would love to do that. So if there's enough demand, podcast at the running channel.com, let us know. And what kind of questions about the super shoes that you might like to answer. I'm desperate that you say, yes, please do a whole episode on super <laughs> shoes because I'm such a nerd. <laughs> yeah, we have run in them. We have tested them. We've even chopped them up, as you can see oh, behind yeah. us. So we know a lot. So if you have any questions, then please do send them through. But on that note... Thanks for listening. We've made it. We got the whole way through a podcast. I can't believe it. I think Rick's pushed, pushed the right buttons. I, 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 I just hope it recorded. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, let everyone in behind the curtain a little bit. This is actually the second time that we've recorded this podcast in its entirety. <laughs> Wasn't Rick's fault. Honest. <laughs> <laughs> we just haven't told him it's his fault. <laughs> um, but if you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rate and a review wherever you get your podcasts, mainly to boost Andy's ego, but also just for a bit of feedback to know how we've got on. And we'll see you next time. 
This episode was brought to you by New Balance and two specific shoes from the Fuel Cell range, the Rebel V4 and the Supercomp Elite V4. And there's an incredible amount of technology in both of these shoes. I'm the shoe geek, Sarah hates this bit. The Fuel Cell technology is the midsole foam, which is aimed at being propulsive. So both of these shoes feel fast. And then in the Supercomp Elite V4, there are strategic midsole voids. So essentially gaps or holes in the, in the midsole, which in combination with the carbon fiber plate design are aimed at increasing the amount of stored energy that you get. All super shoes are aimed at giving you as much energy back as possible, with these being New Balance's best yet. Well, if you want to check out either the Fuel Cell Supercomp Elite V4 for race day or the Fuel Cell Rebel V4, which could be for race day, it could be for all of your training as well, then head to the link in the show notes.